WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. Yo, this is Fred the Hammer Williamson, and you're listening to Film Sociology on WFYI in Naptown. Know what I'm saying? Keep listening. You might learn something. It's time to hear what's good, what's bad, and what's ugly at the multiplexes and at the art house. Warehouse, farmhouse, hen house, outhouse, or doghouse in that area. You'll also hear about new and old films on Blu-ray and on DVD. Plus, you'll hear all the latest Hollywood gossip. I don't care! Okay, maybe not the latter, but it is time for film sociology with WFYI's film guru. Kaiser Shizzy! No, that's Matthew Sosa. It's such a fine line between stupid and, and clever, yes. Let's see how thin the line is. Here's your host, Matthew Sosa. Lovers, welcome to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD to the Point and WFYI.org. If you have a question or a comment, you can email me at msocey, that's M-S-O-C-E-Y, at WFYI.org. I'm also on Facebook, also on Twitter, at Matthew Socey. The show is available as a podcast, and it's also available on iTunes. Hope you have a relaxing Memorial Day weekend, no matter what you're doing, where you're doing it. But uh, and since it is a long holiday, and by the way, at the time we're recording this, there's a mass exodus of the building. I'm sure it's just like for some people at work on a Friday. But uh, we have a guest, and it's a guest who's been here so long, he has his own intro, and it's been expanded. And it's not on. So let's try again. The blackest brother in the galaxy, Nubian God. What's a Nubian? Will someone shut that man up? Never! Never! I do hateful things for which people love me, and I do lovable things for which they hate me. I'm admired for my detestability. It is a newspaper's duty to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. <laughs> I don't like that fellow. <laughs> That's right, Abdul Kim Shabazz is in studio. What him say? <laughs> him say pledge dollars at work. Okay. Wow. But actually, you know what? It's funny. Uh, I was listening to, uh, speaking of WFYI, I think it was when Howard Stern was on uh, Fresh, Air. Fresh Air, and he would talk about how his dad, who was a recording engineer, would do the recordings for the cartoon people like Dawes Butler. And, oh, really? That whole era? Yeah, that whole era. And he would sit there and just watch those guys just do all the voices and all the work and do Don Adams' Tennessee Tuxedo. That's right. And, and the whole nine yards. And the thing was, you could you could hear the entire conversation because it wasn't interrupted by Robin laughing every yes. five minutes. So, uh, but actually, it was interrupted by them laughing. Well, that's good. Because that's they would okay. just die laughing when they were just watching each other do the stuff back and forth. Did, did Terry Gross bring up Fart Man? Actually, yes, she did. See, there you go. See, it was, it was an interview that actually she said it went so well that 
the normal hour that they use. They did a two-parter. They did a two-parter. I saw Stern on uh, Letterman's thing on Netflix, and I've, I've, uh, I'm, I'm still not a big fan of his work, and I know he's a bigger, he's, he's done a bigger impact for radio, I think more than I think I like the content itself, but, uh, but yeah, is even he has mellowed out in your in his own old age. Unlike you, yeah. who have not mellowed out in your old age. So happy birthday to you, Mr. Ah, Shabazz. Thank you, my friend. Abdul 5.0, as we like to Is, call it. Are you doing that now? Yeah, yes, we are. <laughs> hey, wait till we get to 10.0. <laughs> oh, yeah, you limp, you t- you'll say the death you'll walk over, but you'll limp back. <laughs> you'll limp back. And by the way, King to Queen's level three. <laughs> So, it, we, okay, so is that, so obviously, Abdul Kim Shabazz of IndiePolitics.org and other nefarious chicanery things <laughs> of not embracing his roots and, and uh, lawyering and political broadcasting uh, and other fun stuff. Poking the hornet's nest and On the social and, media. Or actually, around this area, the wasp, wasp nest. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and these but, wasps have no stings, which is what makes it even more interesting. And it doesn't have Stuart Copeland either. <laughs> See, ladies and gentlemen, we've been doing this for a long, long time. time. And actually, looking back, and oh, by the way, where else but Abdul Hakim Shabazz and public radio goodness can you hear audio from Chasing Amy, 1776, two versions of Inherit the Wind, and go go gophers only on public radio. That's a fifteen-year friendship right here, my friend. That's right. This ain't no dime, but this is real public radio. <laughs> wow! Hello to the people down at U of I. Where I um, came, so I can say that. So you okay? You fair enough. So yeah, so you just turned fifty, and earlier this month was my twentieth anniversary here at the station, and uh, it's it's as if no time has passed at all. I remember the first time when you were back at uh, fourteen thirty. <laughs> And I was on my third morning show at third fourteen thirty doing film reviews. And I just, I knew there was a new guy. And just kind of creeped open the door and creeped open the door and sat in. Like, sat in. Like, and I know you. A couple couple weeks, we just kind of sized each other up a little bit verbally, and we had a mutual admiration over Monty Python and Richard Pryor. And was, I can't sl- remember exactly what it was. Guli but was one of us one. said something. Then I was like, Oh, oh okay, <laughs> he's good. <laughs> might have been. Yeah, it might have been or something. Might have been a Richard Pryor reference. Could have been a Richard makes... Pryor or an art house or something. Yeah. But uh some movie about death and chess and You love death and chess. And a school bus and people on it See, and <laughs> he makes fun of those. He really because he's gonna watch the seventh seal more than he is Medea's final you reunion say, funeral. You can say that again. I, I he'll watch Seventh Seal more than and also you know what happened that doesn't happen in the art house movies? People talk on their phone. Nobody's <laughs> ring. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing chess with death. <laughs> Yeah, it's all right. That doesn't happen. Nobody no. brings their crying child to the Seventh Seal screenings. Yeah, you, you never hear, oh, look, Valdos dropping the <laughs> knife. What will thou do now? Are, are we doing the greatest hits now? <laughs> Just, yeah. This is our live show. <laughs> We're opening for the Smothers Brothers sometimes. <laughs> Mom always liked you best. <laughs> we, uh, Abdul and I, of course, also still, and you can be on the ground floor, the, the GoFundMe for the Art House Drive-In. Wow. You can Chardonnay. Always yeah. have a nice at, at a at cold temperature. Do drive-ins still exist? Yes, we have we have a couple of them that we're going to talk about on the show this week. So, when was the last time you were at a drive-in, and have you taken the lovely Mrs. Shabazz? The lovely Mrs. Shabazz and I have never been to a drive-in. You I think fix the last that. drive-in I went to was like nineteen, I don't know, eighty. About same here, southwest side of Chicago, near kind of like near was it fenced in? Actually, yes. <laughs> was it like Thunderdome? <laughs> it, was, it was fenced in because it was a drive-in during the week. Or, or night, but a flea market Swap on the weekend. Me. Yes, flea market. Oh, yeah. Because my uncle, uh, who used to you know, really carbonate ourselves here, had a typewriter <laughs> and sewing machine repair shop. And so he would go, we would go to the flea markets on Sunday, and he would 
What part of town was this? Uh, southwest side, kind of like, uh, like near ne- not too far from like 79th and Cicero in that. For those who didn't want to go to Maxwell Street. Yeah, for those who <laughs> didn't want to go to Maxwell Street or, or Midway, kind of in that that neck of the woods. All, all I remember was there used to be a Zare. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Nearby. Yep. yep. When I was a little kid. So. Now, had you done the go to the drive-in that night and then have to go to the flea market in the morning? Uh, I was just like 12, 13 years old, so, so yeah, I never had. No, you didn't bounce back. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But I do hear now with drive-ins, it's now wireless. You can stream over your Bluetooth speakers. Oh, you mean you can't have the giant you can't thing have that, that could giant crack your window? Crack, crack, crack your window thing. <laughs> And don't fog the windows, folks. Yeah. A gentleman with a with a with a giant flashlight may come and knock it. Yeah, no, no, there was none of that. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. So, um, but yeah, this is this is so um, you know because you're turning fifty. I t- I turned fifty later this year, and the per- the perception of age. Because if you think about when we were kids, now I don't know how it was in your house. This, this is we're doing this routine. My house was like this, and your house, was, but uh, but I remember my my family threw massive fortieth birthday parties in the neighborhood. Anybody who had a neighbor, and a lot of black balloons and the fake foam tombstones and the lordy lordy Donna's forty kind of stuff and. And it it seems so absurd now well, because, we, well, I mean, by that rationale, it's like you're you're only turning forty. You're not Mudbone. Well, well, and by that well, rationale, was Mudbone really actually fifty in real well, life? Well, I guess back then, if you were lucky to make it to forty, not get eaten by a bear, <laughs> everybody was excited. I guess. I mean, it, and ours, no, not really. I mean, no. I, I tell people the the eye opener for me was I am now the same age as my dad when I graduated from high school, and my mom when I graduated from college. Okay. So that's just more. That was more the, the, the wow moment. I didn't feel like okay, I'm you know dying here or nope. you know, one foot in the grave. But then again, we're typical Gen X. It's like ah, I don't care. <laughs> well, and and of course the the guys the the men and women I play on Saturday nights. You know, there's there's still 94 year old musicians still touring to this date. So yeah. and the other half are on heroin. So <laughs> Abdul said that. But uh, yeah, so it, it, yeah, it's kind of stunning. And and I remember when popular culture in the 80s made fun of the Rolling Stones in the 80s. Yes. They're still touring. Like Mick Jagger's older than the president of the United I States. Was, I believe it was the Craig Kilborn version of The Daily Show that they were doing a press conference for their next tour, and it was uh, you know, the right up at the bottom of the screen said Mick Jagger, older than dirt, and then it was a shot of Keith Richards, Keith Richards, dirt. Yes. Yeah, so Full body blood transfusion, Keith. Right, but you know what? Still with us. And there's a brief period, it looks like Keith might outlive Sir Mick. <laughs> At least, at least he bounces back more. Yeah, they'll, they'll outlive most rappers. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I'm still waiting for the rap reunion showcase that will be on your local PBS station on Saturday nights, like the doo-wop and soul reviews. I don't think you're going to be getting Biggie no? Small and Tupac. You know, no, I don't mean that. I, more like Dougie Fresh and the remnants of the Fat Boys. Or Dougie Not So Fresh. Talking the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're now tap two diabetes, fat boys. Yeah, jeez, <laughs> wow, we're gearing up for the weekend here, folks. Hey, I just look like this. I'm just happy to be a black man who made it to fifty and didn't get shot. Send all notes to <laughs> Abdul Kim Shabazz, Abdul at indiepolitics.org. And how are things at indiepolitics.org? We are doing quite well. Uh, had a busy session, obviously, with all the issues like gaming and. Uh, uh, the yeah, gaming issue, the, teacher pay. So the gaming issue, so and kind of like uh, the Sunday thing, the oh, the earth didn't open up and swallow Indiana whole. Actually, here's the funny thing about gaming, not to get all political on But you know, we'll, we'll get to the movies in a bit. Yeah, <laughs> is issues like gaming are a lot like issues like alcohol. 
it's not really i mean there's some of the there's some of that that moral temperance movement you know, you see the one with the hatchet you know cracking open the barrels of whiskey and and Elliot a long dress yeah. actually the temperance movement building is actually not far from, from here where we on are. fort wayne mm-hmm. where, where it started um a lot of it is it's geographical like do you have a casino in your district because you know obviously that affects it uh it's generational you know, older people, younger people really don't care. Mm-hmm. Uh, Somebody is philosophical. And so it was interesting kind of watching all that play out. But you can now, in Indiana, do sports betting on your phone tied to – but it's got to be tied to a – but you've got to go through a casino. So okay. now you can be depressed even more so <laughs> with your Detroit teams by betting on them. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I, I gamble enough with my emotions, yet alone with my dollars. So, no, I'm, I'm all right with that. Because I was just looking forward to the stories of you losing like 20 bucks while sitting next to that guy at the bar who Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah, Abdul's heard my art bar theory. <laughs> yeah. He's, we're also going to invest in that, uh, the arts bar segment. So Pulls covers overhead. <laughs> It's already a bad. It's already a bad season for the for the Tigers. So we'll just. Heck, my White Sox are eliminated during spring training. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. But I I heard uh, on the score. Yes, I love the score out of Chicago. But they say the white that uh, cellular is it still called Euler? yeah U.S. Cellular Field. Uh, but the White Sox ballpark has some of the best stadium food in the league. Yes. So and by the and way, not just all- not just a ridiculous stuff like you know a. A turducken on a waffle, on a chicken, on a stick, and a hot dog. Like, here's a turtle shell. Right. Yeah, exactly. What do you do with that? Make a chicken pot pie. I don't know. It's it a turtle is. shell. But you, you can get more than hot dogs if you're into that sort of thing. So. And if you really want to know everybody, put ketchup on it. Oh, yeah, that's... I love that note that's from Chicago still, and that's crap. That's still a thing. Like, yes, Meanwhile, put... you have a garden salad on your, on your, on your city a dog. Yeah, exactly. That's fine. <laughs> All right, so Abdul Kim Shabazz is hanging out with me. We, yeah, we'll get to movies, but opening in theaters this weekend. I know there's there's a lot, but I got the, the one I got to see because uh, well, I've reached a point where if if it, if it intrigues me, I want to talk about it. But it's called The White Crow, and it's the latest film starring and directed by Ray Fiennes, and it's the story of ballet dancer Rudolf Nureyev. And Nureyev has a, has a little place in my heart for me because I call him Nureyev, not Nureyev. No, um, <laughs> there was somebody that you know, is a, gentlemen, the look on his face was priceless. No, because it, re- it reminds me of there is a friend of my daughter's who refers to the genre as a biopic, not a biopic. A biopic. It's <laughs> not a. It's not an eye search or procedure. It's a <laughs> biography movie. Anyway, that's another time. But uh, the power of being able to see things for free with your college ID. When I was at uh, when I was at the Ball State University, within the span of a week, I got to see Sam Kinison perform stand up, and this was in his bearded near the end. The voice was starting to. It was like ah, Willie. Yeah, ah. it was. Like, it was like Willie Mays with the Mets or Michael Jordan with the Wizards. Yeah. Like, but but in, and then like five days later, got to see Rudolph Nureyev dance and and they, they it wasn't just him it was a ballet showcase and there were younger uh you know higher leaping higher folks but norev could still kind of hold his own he died about a year after this but anyway but it, it's his story of born born on a train in russia in 1938 and a lot of it falls to when he was a part of the company the russian ballet company that went to france in 1961 and kind of moscow on the hudson yeah just Stayed at the airport for the most part, and then early on in the film, and this is a uh, this is credit to Fines as a director. He's done a few films as a uh, under the helm of director. Um, 
early on we get some flashbacks upon flashbacks upon flashbacks and it's not quite inception you can still follow it but it starts the you know you you wonder when it's going to land and it really it really kicks in once we get to him as the member of the company and then enjoying his fame going against the rules of ballet yes there are rules to ballet to us flat-footed ones sitting on the front porch for example this is fifth position right so fines play has a small role as an instructor who uh is able to read nareev easier than the taskmaster that has been appointed by the state and that's the other thing the whole aspect of this uh, they tell you when to dance where to dance why and that really tell you why to dance you just dance and uh, and and so finds and the young actor. I, I well, not really an actor. It, it is a dancer. It's it's one of those kind of like slap shot. We, do, you, do you get actors who can try to dance, or do you get dancers and they can put a sentence together? Right. It, they did the latter on this one. So here's my question: In the early scenes, are there any Cossacks? No, there's no Woody Allen. There's no. <laughs> I know that line from Annie Hall. We're not that that scene does not happen. Okay. You, and if you know Woody Allen, Annie Hall, you know what I mean. Um, it, but it really kicks in on the second half, and w- when he is uh, a little drunk with power, with celebrity, with having an affairs with certain women, and then, and then of course, he's informed that he cannot perform in London. He has to perform at the Kremlin, and things take a take a mm-hmm. turn. So, anyway, good good biopic, and uh, also the fact that early on, when you see there, Ray Fiennes as a director was smart enough that when there is dancing, you just pull the camera back. And let them dance. You're not Richard Attenborough directing Chorus Line. <laughs> you're not Baz Larman where you're doing 27 shots in one movement. It's just letting them dance. So this isn't Moulin Rouge. No, it's not. And I love Moulin Rouge. I think Moulin Rouge, because it's that, it, it, it embraces its silliness very early on. It's going to be that kind of Red Bull type of musical with the songs of different eras and and it's it is deliberately this kind of mishmash and it embraces his energy everything since then has been a knockoff of that hey that i have a problem with hey no one can play the maharaj like you so see no one's going to that's right (laughs) but it's like i'm also reminded welcome the two old men on the front stoop Uh, i think it was in the last taken film where there's there's supposed to be a simple scene of liam neeson hold on of liam neeson running Climbing a fence and jumping over, and you could probably do one take, like Ron Ron O'Neill and Superfly, or two takes, and they showed us there was 12 cuts for a simple moment like that. You were closing your eyes and sighing over the Taken series. Here's my thing. Yes, sir. I always looked at the Taken series, since we're now back to movies, kind of like <laughs> Death Wish. Like, first I, one? I, I, like, first one's you, fine. I, like, have you run out of family yet to be kidnapped? <laughs> I mean, it's like being related to Charles Bronson. Like, you know, when, when, yes. when, you're, when your second cousin, three times removed, is now the crime victim. Well, and I remember Taken 3 was basically the fugitive. And uh, nobody asked for that. Yeah. So, no, I, I get it. I get it. But, yeah, so anyway, the, the, white crow, the White Crow, I should say, is at the theaters on the north side, of course, where you get and the sure bar. And you sure this is the same one with uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov and Gregory Hines? No, it's not White Knights. Although... That film was directed by Taylor Hackford, who had already prior, prior to that did uh, An Officer and Gentleman, and that's where he met his still today wife Helen Mirren. Way to go, Taylor! We pre- we salute you, sir. <laughs> say you, <laughs> yes, say, say me. you exactly. <laughs> um, opening now. Oh, actually, you told me uh, before we started that you you've seen. Uh, by the way, I should remind you, Amazing Grace is still playing at the Art House Theater on the north side of town. Oh, so you should take Mrs. Sharon to church. <laughs> it is. It's a wonder. The wonderful Aretha Franklin, 
gospel concert film that was a live album. They fit, basically filmed the recording of her album Amazing Grace in a small church in Watts. And the story behind it, and, and if, you've, if you've heard previous shows, bear with me. But uh, it was going to be shot by Sidney Pollack. This is what he did after they shoot horses, don't they, and before Jeremiah Johnson. And they were shooting it with a choir and Reverend Cleveland, and yes, her dad shows up. And uh, camera and sound did not sync up. So Warner Brothers had to shelve the film. Huh. I also found out later they were Warner Brothers was going to put this on a double bill with Superfly. What? Who's so? Yeah, dividing your audience because is the Amazing Grace crowd going to go see Ron O'Neill and vice versa? Nineteen seventy-two. They would probably go together just to pay for one movie, and then the <laughs> other half would leave. And I know, you know, there was old white executives at Warner Brothers that went, "Ah, oh, let's just throw these oh, two together." Throw these movies together, and they sound just like they sound like Anthony Hopkins and Nixon. Manolo's finished, Mister Solskjaer's finished. Yeah, that that was, yeah. Kind of like a uh, black Caesar and five on the on the black hand side. No, that's 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 not how this works. No, this, we, we, God. yeah, I, I've made Abdul slap. The Schwarzers will love this one. Trust me. <laughs> Abdul said that. Um, Abdulandypolitics.org. That's right. So anyway, um, but through the po- he's still pondering through the power of technology, they were able to so sync it back up. up finally, yeah. finally. So um, and it's you know it's her and her vocal it was some probably at the height of her vocal powers. And it's, yeah, it's not Moulin Rouge. It's just a lot of long takes of her just belting it. So is anyway. Her, is her funeral still going on? No, I, it's done. Now, now we have to get into the uh, who has the will portion. <laughs> I think there are like the, three of them. I think the Brown family just wrapped up theirs. Yeah, yeah. They, no, they were actually, they found like three wills. Uh, and oh they're boy. trying to figure out which one was the latest one. So Not going to be not yeah. going to be pretty. Yeah. So here's the here's the here's the legal note yes, of the day. Uh, have a will. <laughs> Singular. Singular. One place. Update it. Update Notar- it. Notary public. And, uh, a, and occasional codicil to go with it. There you go. Uh, so yeah, that's that's happening out there. But anyway, you you told me you saw Endgame for a second time. Yes. And uh, did it did it change for you? It did in the sense that. Um, Obviously, anybody who's you know, seen me, heard me as a guest on Film Sociology or Mr. Sosie and I have done shows together knows I'm a big comic book superhero dork. I mean, that's just. But are you, are you, are you say, just, are you DC or Marvel or, or it does not matter? I know what tattoo you have. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, but you're not exclusive, right? right? I, have, I found that DC makes better television shows. Marvel makes better movies. There you go. That's probably the the best way to. So you and I, you you and I don't have a, the same name of our mothers. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> Axel grease and butter. Sorry, flavor. Sorry. Yeah, no. I thought uh, on the on the second go around, I like. I basically had to bifurcate the movies because I really thought that the first half, seen it the second time, was a lot slower, and I thought the second half was really on it. And part of it is because you have so many people. There's there's so many introductions that you got to get through, and the setup. Once the setup is in place and they've made fun of it, then, yeah, then it moves. And I still think there's less endings than Lord of the Rings, and it's still shorter than Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and, I, and for a while I still did thing, and by the way, spoiler alert, which, by the way, the movie's been out like a month now. Yeah, I'm be, sorry. Yeah, if you need to fast-forward this podcast, please do, but come on. There's the one scene where they go back to 1972 to get the Tesseract. Yep. 
And I didn't know if that was Kurt Russell driving by in the car or if that was like a Stan Lee cameo. I thought that was just mm. driving uh, by. I know because it kind of looked like a little bit like a Stan Lee. But it, but it's but that's the beginning of uh, Guardians of the yeah, Galaxy the Volume second, Two, the second, yeah. which still here's I love that that made me giggle for a couple reasons because there was a certain faction that found young Kurt Russell handsome, and the fact that we now of course live in a world where you can. Um, you can you can CG the face a yeah. little bit, like you know, uh, Sam Jackson looks a little younger in Captain Marvel, or if you're Moff Tarkin, and and they're they're gonna do that in uh, I think they're gonna do that with De Niro and Pacino in The Irishman, the new Martin Scorsese film that's coming out uh, on Netflix later this year. But what cracked me up was they they were able to give a gloss over for Kurt Russell. But they did nothing to filter his hateful eight gravelly voice. No, they didn't. That cracks me up. It's I you couldn't you couldn't put that through a sound filter at all. Well, actually, I I can see them uh, leaving his voice the way it is just to show that he actually is an alien. So, okay, all so right, fair is, enough. That's a good that's a good comeback. Because he's technically ego, the living planet, planet, which would I thought you were a living planet. Well, well, that too. <laughs> well, whose voice would be a little graspier, a little Fine. rougher. Fine. I'm going to destroy you. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that, that, that sort of thing. The black Kurt Russell right but, here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, but no. Like I said, I, I thought the first part was a little slower than usual, but the second part was right on the money. And, I, and actually, when I saw it the second time, I really didn't see any Easter eggs that I didn't spot the first go around. How long a conversation do you think you could have on a battlefield? That's that's a minor gripe for me. Yeah, a, a little minor one. <laughs> a little bit. So, but 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 I, but, I, but I was able to figure out actually in the in the first film, like I said once again, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it right. by now, too bad. That when Thor is getting his clock cleaned by the forces of Thanos, and then the by the way, I was his I was his wellness coach in this time <laughs> around. Thank you, Chris. And when the when the hammer comes through, I was like, okay, yep, there we go, because everybody's everybody's all applauding the Captain America. Yeah, you know, swinging the hammer. As soon as we got back to the house. Found the book, like, hey, sweetie, let me show you. Bam, bam. There it is. I felt like I felt like Gene Hackman and Superman, you know, pulling out the, the kryptonite in the National Geographic. And they're still Sosieberg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get, I vote from from the day I've met Abdul, I was like, when he takes over, I get Broad Ripple. And nobody under 30 will be allowed in. <laughs> like, it's all yours. Yeah, this so. Desmocker gets her own country. <laughs> this Desmocker! So, yeah, no, but, but no, but I thought the second part was really good. The first part was like, God, this is really slow. I... I've said this before, and so maybe maybe it's me, but I you know it's my show. Um, where I've always, I have always felt in the last ten years they've they've all been well done. I mean they're they're you know they have various degrees of success and disappointments and everything, but at times it it felt like a chore. I'm I you know we grew up on James Bond. We had twenty. We're working on twenty six James Bond films in over fifty years. We're talking about twenty two films in ten. So there's a there's a there was a little bit of burnout for me, and I'm and because you could pull off a three hour film on it, you could have done a three hour Avengers film a few years ago and it'd been fine. You see, I don't necessarily feel burnout. Um, I do think that some were better than others. Yeah. And for example, I didn't, I didn't necessarily mind the Ant Man and the Wasp. I mean, I get it because they're crucial to the storyline. I don't necessarily think they needed to make two movies when How? you could have probably have maybe have done one. And how do you think the basement dwellers are that the theory about Ant Man didn't happen? <laughs> Mom, the be- the watch your Watchmen people. Yeah. <laughs> Which, by the way, HBO was doing a series. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Think they get it right? I I told my wife I'll watch one or two episodes. I I did just binge watch though uh, the Umbrella Academy. 
Okay, I I need to. That's on the list. Actually, I think you will like it. You, will I? Yeah, because okay. there it has a couple, and you will appreciate this uh, kick-ass moments <laughs> with American with the American trilogy. <laughs> um, actually, no, but uh, they might be giants. Istanbul was once Constantinople. Oh my gosh! When okay. when they did that fight, I was like, okay. I like this. Oh wow! All right, we'll look into that. So I, I I bring up Watchmen. I've in the in the fifteen years that I've known Mr. Shabazz, I have only seen his dander, <laughs> mus muscled muscled up muscled up tussled up. I've seen his dander up twice. One was on the phone with Eric uh, Eric Michael Dyson. Yes, <laughs> when we when he referred to you, brother Shabazz, and you shot back, "I'm not your brother." This was the start of the interview. And went, Sp- I think Spangler, oh, this is not going to end well. This is two not oversized go- ego maniacs. The the uh, haystacks Calhoun versus Gorilla Monsoon kind of thing. Yeah, that'd be haystack. I, I, I believe uh, Gorilla's the immovable force versus the, the yeah, yeah, ensemble object meets immovable. Yeah, that's force. that's yeah. that's what that was, and. Uh, and and the the comic book dwellers at the morning at Monday morning press screening of Watchmen, um, we can't recreate it here. <laughs> but it was uh, Abdul was Lee Elia for you yeah. longtime Cub fans. You're looking around like, okay, I have a job. The critics have a job. What the bleep are you people doing, doing here, here at a movie theater at a blanket movie theater at eleven o'clock on a bleeping morning on a bleeping Monday? None of you bleeping bleep has got to go to bleeping work. <laughs> and it was like a cold January day too. It was something like that, and there was I think there was about fifty people. One female, she yep. was popular, and uh, yeah, because and they had us. us in the back row, like in the critics section, yes. kind of kind of cornered off from those. You people. were stunned at how many people were there. <laughs> Don't you people got a <laughs> mom? The meatloaf. Yeah, Matt was like, uh, "Do we need to call yeah, call nine one one? Right there? Cardiac arrest. <laughs> Somebody about to get arrested. One, in here. two, three. <laughs> All right. So that is uh, that's you know. So yeah, Endgame is still out there. It's gonna be playing all summer Forever. long. Will it play when the new Spider Man opens up? Um, it may be like on one or two screens. Okay. Actually, I do look forward to uh, Spider Man Far Away from Home, and it, it was kind of funny because. Anybody who knew that Spider-Man Far Away From Home was going to be after Avengers Endgame could probably figure out that Spider-Man survives. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of – well, and that was the other thing. So th- my other old man grumble from the last Avengers was seeing – hearing people my age and older gasping at certain characters fading into powder. And I'm sitting there, that movie made a kajillion dollars. There's no, they're going to bring them back. Trust me. So Everybody's coming back. Now, everybody may not stay – but everybody's, everybody's coming, coming back. back. So that that so I that kind of grinds my gears a little bit more about the last film itself. So that's kind of like thinking that Han Solo's going to be stuck frozen in the carbonite. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah. So and of course I was much younger back then. We both were younger. I'm so much older than I'm younger than that now. <laughs> um, all right. So that's that's out there. That's still that's still a thing. Um, new on DVD and Blu-ray. Hmm. The next, the next, the next. I know that look, ladies and gentlemen. The next, uh, How to Train Your Dragon, Part Two, the second one. No, it's the third. Is third? third, fourth? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of those. Do we need that many? Well, obviously, you need it for your Game of Thrones. You don't. Need uh, it. Right. Uh, oh, jeez. Uh, the Upside, which is a, uh, it's it's a Kevin Hart film where he doesn't fall down and go boom. Oh, is that um, the one where he's with Brian Cranston? Cranston? It's a remake of the French film The Impossibles. I I saw The Impossibles, really liked it, where he's a. Uh, He's a, a ne'er do well, a miscreant mm-hmm. who gets a job. A yes, a, a, who gets a job uh, for a, a 
billionaire quadriplegic played by Brian Cranston. Nicole Kidman's in that as well. So it's not uh, we, we joke that Kevin Hart has a new film out every three months. This is not one of those. <laughs> this is something a little more than that. Um, Rebel Wilson's Isn't It Romantic, where she gets bonked on the head and winds up in romantic comedy land. Will, will Mrs. Shabazz, Mrs. Shabazz make you watch that? No. Okay. Not her thing? That's not her thing. Okay. I mean, she's more she's more right now into the Crazy Rich Asians Yes. on HBO right now. And um, also on Blu-ray this week, if you're, of course, a PBS listener, uh, PBS's latest production of Les Mis, Less Singing. Less Singing. Uh, more Bread Stealing. Actually, I've heard uh, actually really good things about it. Yes. So that is out there if you're not streaming. So uh, And, of course, David Oyelo is uh, one of – he's uh, – not Russell Crowe in this particular <laughs> version. Um, everyone's fa- one of our favorite types of actors, the English African Americans. Yes. As a as a co- <laughs> one of Abdul's callers referred to Chuatel Ejiofor as that English African American. No, that's not how this works. No, it doesn't work that way. Half English, half Nigerian, no America. Yeah. Just thank you, PC police. Or we, whereas we call him British. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, it happens. So um, over at IU Cinemas, depending now depending on your listening to the show, um, if you're listening on Friday, good for you. Friday at seven o'clock, as a part of the International Art House series, the Peter Jackson documentary "They Shall Not Grow Old" in 3D, where he has taken footage from uh, World War One. That's right, yeah. So that is out there. It's still out there. Um, Did you the sequel "They Shall Not Pass"? <laughs> thank you, Gandalf. <laughs> Ian McKellen over here. Um, Thursday, May 30th, and Friday, May 31st at 7 o'clock, Amazing Grace. So if you're in Bloomington, you can check that out. Sunday, May Sunday, June 1st, starting at 1 o'clock, all three Matrix films. Got nine hours to kill? Basic, well, according oh, uh, to this, uh, six and almost six and a half. Well, it is the 20th anniversary of the Matrix. So that's yep. part of what's sort of done this Matrix sort of reboot. Really enjoyed the first film. Didn't need the last two. I like the first one. The second one was... Psychobabble. Nah. And the third was okay. And actually, the Wachowski siblings. Siblings? Yes. yes that's what they're, we that's what we refer to them now. They are now siblings. They're no yeah. longer the Wachowski brothers. And, and get over it, folks. It happens. <laughs> so yeah, they're they're so that's out there. I was a little surprised, in all due brutal honesty, because I don't you know I me, mean, I don't care. Right. Uh that both went, you know, that route, as opposed who, to just one. Right. But then so, again they're twins, so who knew? Yeah. Exactly. Thursday, June 6th, Friday, June 7th at 7 o'clock from 2018, Crystal Swan, not Black Swan. Um, Saturday, June 8th at 4 o'clock. Oh, here's a double bill. These are This is not a double feature. These are separate admissions, separate tickets, but hey. Saturday, June 8th at 4 o'clock, Cat Video Fest 2019. What? Yes, a Are compilation you- of cat videos. I'm sure there'll be one playing a piano. One o'clock from from four to about five ten. So um, this is dedicated to Grumpy Cat. That well, hey, Sky Point to Grumpy Cat <laughs> doesn't sound like Aubrey Plaza, but Sky Point to Grumpy <laughs> Cat. And then at seven o'clock, the National Theater live production of All About Eve hmm. with Gillian Anderson as Margot Channing. Very excited about seeing that. So that is all happening at uh, IU Cinema at the Tibbs. They call it the Tibbs <laughs> Drive-in. <laughs> Oh yes, um, on screen one, yes, there is the uh, the blue face remake of Aladdin with Will Smith yeah. as the gene. Guess what? Will Smith, not Robin Williams. Um, 
you can I, read you can read Chris Lloyd's review of this on the film app, and he of course gave it the backhanded compliment, not terrible. <laughs> I because I, I, like I said when I went saw the Avengers again, that was one of the the He's, previews, and I was like, hmm, I guess Disney's are so out of ideas that we're now just live action. This everything. is the third, for third because yeah. Lion King hasn't happened yet. So you had Cinderella, you had um, Beauty and the Beast, yeah, Dumbo. And, and, oh yeah, Dumbo. Yeah, that's true. So this is the fourth. So yes. Yes, you can hire Indian actors to play the Indian roles, and then you got and then you got Will Smith rapping at the closing credits. I know that much. Yeah. It's tough. That's yeah. You ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> say wow. that again. So that's at nine twenty with Avengers Endgame. So that's a that's not a bad double bill. You get you get you get a lot of time. But here's a question though: When they did the remake of The Lion King, did they get Jeremy Irons to play Scar? Uh, no, I believe Chiwetel Ejiofor is playing uh, Scar. You have no idea, right? <laughs> exactly. Actually, let's look that up. But I, <laughs> I believe what they're, uh, I, hmm. Jackie Robinson playing Scar? <laughs> uh, no, that's Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> Hi, welcome to correcting African American actors and and black actors from Europe. Hosted by Matthew Sosa. He's no. like a little routine like this. No, he was not that. He was in. The- <laughs> right. Um. Let's let's do John Favreau. So, uh, Donald Glover is uh, Simba. Chiwetel Ejiofor is Scar. Of course, James is getting Mufasa. <laughs> you, you have to beat him up to yeah. get that role away from him. Um. Keegan Michael Key is Kamari. Where's Matt Sinclair? Beyonce is Nala. Um. Alfred Woodard is Savari. All right. John, yes, John Oliver is Zazu. Makes sense. Um, anyway, so I get it. And and Seth Rogen is Pumbaa. So. This is where the monarchy is headed. Count me out. Out of service. Out mm, of Africa. Right. So uh, anyway, that is happening. At, uh, so yeah, Aladdin and Endgame at screen one. Screen two, the Mrs. Shabazz double feature, Brightburn and the Intruder. Isn't Brightburn supposed to be like the new super? He's a evil superhero in child form or something like that. Because I've been seeing a lot of the advertisements on Facebook. You've been trying to dodge that one with the lovely Mrs. Shabazz. I'm like, hey, what is this? Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, that's a thing. Uh, screen three, John Wick three, and Long Shot. I thought it, okay. I like the first two. I'm in, even though I'm burnt out on sequels, I do like I do like the John Wick series. Okay, I've never seen the John Wick series, but I'm told in, in three he loses. He's looking for his dog. Well, that's that's the whole thing starts because of the dog. So another dog. Okay, but uh, but be- and I think because you have stunt coordinators directing these films, so the fight scenes and the gunplay look really cool. And apparently that taps into the inner fifteen-year-old in cer- certain in audience. So anyway, that's out there. Screen four. Oh boy, uh, the hustle, which is the female version of Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. I go for Anne Hathaway. Yes, and uh, a dog's journey. Who? Ah, bring the Kleenex. Talking dog with Josh Gad. <laughs> so anyway, that is happening at the Tibbs, at the Skyline in, uh, oh boy. You have Aladdin, Detective Pikachu, and then on May 25th, only at 1.30 a.m., The Intruder. So on the 25th, you can get a triple feature there. <laughs> yeah. Um, that means we go on the 26th. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, over at the Art Craft Theater in Franklin, 24th and 25th, 2 and se- okay, Friday, so if you're listening to the show today, at 7.30 p.m., and then Saturday, there's a 2, 7.30, and 10.30 screenings of Grease. 
you and I are just old enough to play high school members of Rydell High in that film. I think I'd be playing Sid Caesar. <laughs> Maybe. Yes, I make fun because Stocker Channing was 33 when she played Rizzo. And apparently 1030 show will be the interactive singing, dancing, quote So basically you get to yell at the screen. You see, here's what I remember. Uh, back in my FM disc jockey days, and my FM disc jockey days and before law school, that was 1997. It was like the 20th anniversary. Oh, God. Did you and, have to replay that and stuff? It, it just went on over and over yeah. and over again. I was like, my God. And my son's high school did Greeks. I was just like. Really? Yeah. Like, was he in it? Yep. Who'd he play? Oh. He's too young. You know, they're high school age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, who's the one character? Uh, he was one of the lords of Flatbush. Who, <laughs> <laughs> one, of one, of, one of them. That's a different movie same, with different... Same Italian. I know they, they all look the same. They all, all look the same. Same John Travolta, Sylvester Stallone, Henry Winkler, <laughs> and then that other guy. That other guy. He, yes. They did the song, What's That Playing on the Radio? Because the mu- remember, the musical version is different than yes, the, the version. because there on. was a stage version, folks. Because the stage version didn't sound like disco reheated right. in the 70s. Sorry. Yeah. It's just... Too much disco in a film set in the fifties. That yeah. wasn't Moulin Rouge. No, it so. wasn't. So I just, I just remember. <sighs> okay. Okay. Well, that's I'll that's. <laughs> thank. I'm sure the Art Craft Theater is loving this. So that is happening there. And then you can mark your calendars: May 31st and June 1st at two and seven thirty p.m. The Goonies. I know people love this. Maybe I need to revisit it. I wasn't a huge fan when it came out. They used to play the video game. Uh, of course, there was a video game. Um, Tuesday, June 4th at 10 a.m., the first Ice Age. Now, the first Ice Age I actually thought was really good. Yes. I liked it. So Ice Age 2. Don't need four of those. Yeah. So, yeah. And then um, June 7th, 7.30 p.m., 35-millimeter print. And this is the Real Women Vintage Wine series. I guess guys can show up, too. But A Knight's Tale. Another film that borrows from the Moulin Rouge template of, okay, we're going to do medieval times, but we're also going to use the music of Queen. <laughs> so, And Mark Addy's in it and Heath Ledger. So anyway, that Another is... one turns to dust. Oh. All right. Midnight movies. When was the last time you went to a midnight movie, sir? The last midnight movie I actually went and saw was the first Avengers film. Oh, very good. Very good. Now, has, the midnight showing. Has your wife gone to a midnight movie yet? She can't stay up that little. You have to. I know the the next day worthless, right? Yeah. So, all right. Well, so we'll see if these entice you at all. At the well, Keystone Arts, of course, real butter cocktails. Um, June seventh and eighth, the Nicolas Cage film Mandy, which I've heard it's bat spit crazy, and he's not. He did this not to clear out his debt. He just wanted to do a, a crazy film. So, possibly, uh, the Goonies back June fourteenth and fifteenth. June 21st and 22nd, the uh, uh, Japanese animated film Perfect Blue. June 28th and 29th, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Emma really wants to see that in the <laughs> movies. July, 4th, July 5th and 6th, The Dark Crystal. Okay, I'll probably go see that. I need to revisit that as well. I, Yeah, I think I was... Isn't Mike Dukakis in that? You know, he just looks like it. <laughs> That's an old Dennis Miller, old Dennis <laughs> Miller bit. Yeah, that was... Uh, because this was before Labyrinth, I revisited Labyrinth earlier this year, and you know, I I was 16 when that film came out. I think I well, I was 12 when The Dark Crystal came out, and I think that's when some of the cinematic debaggery started to evolve. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to see The Dark Crystal. I'm gonna go see my dinner with Andre. I was that kid. I know. July 12th and the 13th at midnight movies at Keystone Art, The Room, Tommy Wiseau's masterpiece. 
You'll hear my interview with Tommy Wiseau later this summer. Oh, by the way, jumping back to Dark Crystal. Yes, sir. That reminded me of an old Billy Ocean video. Real? Oh, uh, not Lover Boy. They used some because of because he used a lot because they used a lot of like a futuristic. Yep. It's kind of stunt Dark Crystal ish type. The early '80s incarnation of what the future is. If it wasn't shoulder pads, yeah, exactly. Everybody's wearing shoulder pads and football helmets, <laughs> and and chain link fences yeah. and all. Yeah, wow. Did you, did you have to play a lot of Billy Ocean when you were starting? Actually, uh, my mother uh, loves Billy Ocean. Yes, she was a big Billy Ocean fan, and as you know, my mother has Alzheimer's. So whenever we go visit her, we you try to it. stream Billy Ocean on Very our good. phones to Very good. make her smile because actually, musical therapy actually really does. Take goes no- a long way. Take note. I'm, I'm not sure half these horrible movies that I come across. <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> um, July 19th and 20th, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I always ask this question, which I need to revisit. Now that we are parents' age, is Ferris Bueller kind of a bag? No. Just checking. Just no, checking. You, no, Ferris Bueller is making the system work for him. Oh, that's you. <laughs> Was there a Save Abdul coffee cans around the high school when you were younger? Hey, Ferris never. Hey, Ferris never broke the rules. He made the rules work for him. Look at this. Look at this. <laughs> All right, good. And actually, I think my aunt is in that movie. Say what? Oh, and they should because they shot they shot in the city. And they shot in the city. Uh, there's a there's a scene where they're doing the uh, twist and shout. And they go to all oh, the, the different shots, and there's there's an Af- older African American woman in there. I was like, but that's not my aunt. She's got a the dope one thing. he pulls up. Uh, not that he pulls up, oh. but she's like one of just people in the. And she was bitter about that. In the crowd, I was like, I could have danced. I was like, I really think that's Aunt Fanny. Was I, that a was it was they did they actually was there a parade going on and they hopped on or did they actually block the streets to create? I think that they just moment? blocked the streets to create the. But John Hughes had some pull in Chicago back then. So long as he wasn't trashing it like the Blues Brothers did about six years prior. Yeah, exactly. It was kind of that because the the mayor of Chicago at that time. Old man Daly. Was it Daly that did? I think Daly was still. I thought it was. Who was the lady lady mayor? Jane Byrne. Check that. Double check that on that timeline. Okay, yeah. No, if if it's post-1977, it is Jane Byrne. Jane Byrne basically opened up a blank check to the city. For, I mean, basically open the keys of the city to the Blues Brothers. And if you've seen the Blues Brothers, it kind of set the bar. Like, okay, we're not going to do that again. So, and anyway, uh, July 19th and 20th. I love you, sir. <laughs> yes. July 26th and 27th, the first Jurassic Park. Uh, Andy and Amy take note. Um, August 2nd and 3rd, Princess Mononoke. Always, always good to have Miyazaki in Studio Ghibli. August 9th and 10th, Donnie Darko. August 16th and 17th. Is that what I think it is? August 16th and 17th, David Lynch's Eraserhead. Yes. <laughs> um, my favorite Eraserhead moment, I was, yes, there is one. I was managing a crummy video store in Carroll Springs, Illinois, and I did not want to play the new titles because I had already so seen them. Did Bob stop by? No, they were not, they were not by, but it, it looked, it felt like that. Um, let's put let's put this away. The back room made more money than the front, front room. room, and uh, yeah, I, and, and you know we we were open till eleven thirty, so it'd be eleven twenty nine. Like, Come on, man, pick something and let's 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 wrap up. But uh, but my job, I know, hey, written an hour movie, yeah. <laughs> um, but I would pick the stuff, what I call the center of the video, the center of the video smash, where the old titles were, because I thought if I'm gonna get low wages at this crummy job. I'm going to at least watch stuff I had not seen before. And uh, my boss always kind of poo-pooed that until I found a tape 
that was chewed up. So I was looking, you know, inventory, quality control. And so she allowed me to do this. And I was really good with the with the pause button when somebody came into the shop. I lost a little off my edge and didn't quite pause it fast enough when a, a woman and her little girl came in during the birth of the maggot scene in Eraserhead. Yeah. So, yeah. See, that? that's one of the original origins of the Midnight movie from 1980? Now, my thing was... It's uh, 79. So I never worked in a video store, but... Yeah, when it's a you know winter weekend, it's gonna be cold and crappy out. Stock up. Let's go by the video store on Friday, pick a bunch of movies for the weekend. Yep. I would always have the the new release, the dollar release. Oh yeah. And then the art film. One for each. Uh, one for each of your palettes. Yeah. One. Yeah. One for each genre. <laughs> what and, were you? Re- what art films were you renting then? Because well, you make fun of my art. Well, taste. for me, it would be something like Quiz Show. That would I consider ah. my kind of artsy art. Okay. Film. All right. Stuff like that. Great or, film, though. Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of very, very, very mainstream. Oh, look, there's Battleship Potemkin. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Cool. Oh, look, there's Nosferatu. You know. Which, which, which one? Uh, Silent or Werner Herzog? Herzog. There you go. And then everyone. Then one time I saw the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's where that this. comes from. Yep. Good. And then uh, See, I can keep up with you. I know you can. <laughs> Patty LaBelle's band <laughs> reference from first Richard Pryor concert. And then August 23rd and 24th, Keystone Arts, Pulp Fiction. I'm now, sorry. Pulp Fiction did nothing for oh, me. Oh, it did everything for, for me. You Didn't you just come back from Germany? No we, were, no. no, we were already here. Because that was like, what, 94-ish? Yeah, 94. It did nothing for me. Nonlinear storytelling, mixture of genre. Knowing your genre really, really well, the, the pulpy novel types. Um a whole different style of language, uh, wall-to-wall music that had not been heard for a long, long time, and revitalized some careers. Yeah, because Pulp... And actually, I really didn't understand it until the Simpsons parody of Pulp Fiction. Really? Then it made sense. So my my lovely daughter, who is 17, and yeah, I still owe her a midnight movie. This this happened... This started when she was about 10. 10 or 11. And, but she really wanted to go to Keystone Arts and see Beetlejuice. And I said, well, if I look over at 1230 and you're asleep, I'm not going to be happy. So these these are moments. I know you've had these. I call it pop culture Atticus Finch. <laughs> and I would say, you can watch a midnight movie at home. And if you stay awake for it, we'll go see something. I still need to cash in on that. <laughs> but it was, it was a snowy January. I was working here. I got off the air Saturday night at 10. We were staying at our in-laws because they lived in town. And, uh... You know, got got home to their house about ten thirty, and I always brought a ba- bag of movies with me just in case. And that night, Emma said, "Dad, I want to watch. I want to take the test." And she picked Pulp Fiction. So we waited till midnight, and we watched it. And then at two forty-five, <laughs> I, I looked at her and I said, "You know, what'd you think?" She goes, "I really liked it." And I said, "Okay." And she goes, "One thing though." And she took my hand, stood up, and she goes, "Walk me through it." She wanted to know chronologically where things yeah. started and where things ended. So, anyway, that is August 23rd and 24th. Now, did she watch the whole thing? Whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah, that was a little uncomfortable. Okay, I was kind of wondering how you dealt with that. No, we've had worse... We've had worse moments as dad daughter day at the movies. We're fine. Okay. We laugh about those. We can now. (laughs) The the other one was um, the Spike Jones film, Her. The one with Joaquin Phoenix who falls in love with the... um, AI uh, yeah, voice, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a scene where she wanted to see it. I did not drag her to this. I, I really wanted to see it, and she was intrigued. So we knew nothing going in 
of uh, he's in bed and he's tapping his Bluetooth, trying to find somebody to talk to. And of course, they start talking and it gets heavier and heavier. And, and there's this when moments like this happen, Emma and I kind of lean in the opposite direction of each other in our seat to give each other a little more room because we don't do the space between us. We're not guys in an action movie. <laughs> um, and it's really starting to get uncomfortable. And then the female voice finally says, strangle me with a dead cat. And that kind of broke the tension. And we we could not stop laughing. And that that broke the tension there. So. Okay. Yeah, because kind of like when my... Uh, so you have, what was your version of that? Well, was my parents would watch... You know, they they love their black seventies oh, yes. exploitation films because yeah. that's their. By the, by the way, what should be an auction item piece is movie night <laughs> with you and your dad and me. So that, yeah, exactly. John they... Wayne and Fred Williamson <laughs> in one evening, boy. <laughs> oh look, it's Marion. <laughs> you don't say that. No. So anyway, but you so you're watching what 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 seventies? Uh, I, I, I can't remember which. One. I think it was something like it was uh, Hell Up in Harlem or Black so, Caesar. Black or... Caesar. Some with Fred Williamson. And there's like the weird obligatory sex scene. Oh yeah, it goes a little long. Pops up, and then there's my mom, my dad, and me, and I'm like, okay, um, <laughs> oh wow, ah, uh, yeah. How old were you? Was was mom still at the eye covering uh, portion of the of the family or no? No, this was eighty eight. Oh gosh, you're so, so like twenty years old. Oh, yeah, over college ooh. for the summer. You, 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 it's that thing where you're watching it. Well, in in their case, they're watching it, and then they realize, uh oh, the scene's coming up. Yeah, it's like, oh, oh okay. Yeah, Fred had Fred had and Jim too had to have their skin moment. Yes, they, so, they, uh, they did. And we'll get to not their films, below their films in a little bit. A lot of that. Folks. There's there's film sociology. Uh, you're listening to film sociology with Abdul Hakim Shabazz. Uh, jerk of all trades, <laughs> master of chicanery, master of some. That's right. And of course, one half of the imaginary morning show, Abdul and the Kaiser mornings. We don't know where, but uh, you know what? You, you don't have enough money for the two of us. No, you don't. Anyway, at Newfields, just mark your calendars. This is coming up as the 2019 National Bank of Indianapolis Summer Nights Film Series lineup. That's a big marquee. June 7th, say anything. Yeah. Put down the boombox. Yeah. I'm trying to sleep. Um, June 14th, the original 1954 Sabrina. Huh. William Holden, Humphrey Bogart, Audrey Hepburn. Not uh, Harrison Ford and... Greg Kinnear and Julia Ormond, which is not bad. It's not bad, It's it's, but it's not the original. June 15th, the original 1988 John Waters film Hairspray, which I... I've shown to Emma in her younger days. She doesn't remember it, and she loves the musical, but I enjoy John Waters, and I believe this might be was the— Was this the John Travolta one? No, that's the musical. This okay. is the one um, where it's Divine. Uh, yeah, Divine okay. is in it. Ricky, Ricky Lake. Lake. Yeah, and it's 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 a good film. It's not 70s John Waters by any stretch of the imagination, but it, it does make fun of that— television world and and you know the divided city of baltimore ruth brown is motormouth maybell always good so uh that is there june 21st the original 1967 the producers okay <laughs> dancing hitler's on the left singing hitler's on so the so right. there is that june 28th suspicion the hitchcock film with joan fontaine and Cary grant from 1941 june 29th independence day 
But see, but the actually, keys are in the the keys are in the glove the the <laughs> visor. Yeah, see, but here's the thing. Actually, the the first Independence Day I actually really liked because he stopped aliens with an apple. Well, that thing can't interface with anything on this planet, so it only makes sense that <laughs> you interface you it. <laughs> well, well, that and my other favorite scene in the movie is when they finally figure out you know the how to bring the shields down, and they start communicating with you know Morse old Morse code. Yeah. And you got the British commander and the Arab and Israeli troops in the Sinai Desert, blah, blah, blah. Like, sir, it's the Americans. They figured out a way to bring the shields down. Well, it's about bloody time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that is uh, June 29th. July 5th, Ghost. Make some pottery. J- and then July 13th through the 20th, the entire Harry Potter canon. Wow. Ch- Chamber of Se- or S- Sorcerer's Stone on the 13th. Chamber of Secrets on the 14th. Azkaban on the 15th, Goblet of Fire on the 16th, Order of the Phoenix on the 17th, Half-Blood Prince on the 18th, and you could have made Deathly Hollows three and a half hours and have been fine. But no, part one on the 19th, part two on the 20th. I'm going to surprise you. I actually own every Harry Potter film. So do we. No, do we? Yeah, we do too. We do too. You still could have made a three-hour It was really climax. more just, out of, just so I could say I own it. It's kind of like right. books you buy just so they're on the you, shelf. Your, your coffee table books. I'm, yeah. You still have my movies. I have several You still have a few of my movies, by the way. Hey, at least you know they're with your lawyer, so you know they're safe. (laughs) (laughs) Have you watched them? I I have watched Advice and Consent. You like it? Yeah. It's good. It's good. You know Uh, me in political movies. I know. That's why I got to tell you. I think think a couple of the films I let you borrow, I wound up buying again, so I could have talked to me. Speaking of which, um, I actually sat down and DVR'd Little Caesar. It's a good film. I love 30s gangster movies, so... Yeah, that whole Edward G. Robinson... He's uh, more than just your Messiah, she. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when Moses isn't around, he's a bad dude. I, to, I told my wife, like, honey, he was in the Ten Commandments. Like, no, he wasn't. Like, yes, he, yes was. he was. Oh, yes, he was. Now you got to show her um, Double Indemnity. Mm-hmm. I was like, and by the way, this was groundbreaking because this was, like, violent. This was a violent-ass movie back then, so, yeah. It's like, what, 33-ish? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Not just King Kong, darling. Nope. And Dracula. <laughs> Ms. Rudolph. Um, <laughs> July 26th at Newfields, the Indie Shorts International Film Festival. August 2nd, from 1944 to Have and Have Not, Bogart and Bacall. Hmm. August 9th, Bring It On from 2000. That's the first one. That's the one, yeah. Uh, August 16th, Moana from 2016, wrapping Dwayne Johnson. August 17th, members only. Ooh. Not, no, you don't have to wear the jackets no, no, that there. Jacket. But the original 1968 Thomas Crown Affair. Huh. And then August 23rd, 13 Assassins from 2010. I'm impressed that they picked 13 Assassins. That's that's a great fight movie if you're a fan of martial art films. And then finally, on August 30th, the original 1971 Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So all of that is happening at Newfields. The 2019 National Bank of Indianapolis Summer Nights Film Series lineup. Here's oh. the issue I had with Willy Wonka. Oh, please. I thought it was a there was there's a scene there was just a little made me feel just a little like that's kind of creepy. All these people the, the shared, boat. A, shared a bed. That part. Oh well, and of course John Mulaney and a few other comics have brought the fact. That, oh, now you get up, Grandpa, because you're getting a tour. Yeah. Um, I and I know certain. By the way, we've also reached an age where. Um, my my childhood isn't exactly ruined if a remake comes. Uh, I you you don't have to see it, but uh, I, I didn't. Not only did I not mind the remake of uh, Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory done by Tim Burton, they got one thing right. Charlie's a good kid. 
didn't need didn't need to didn't need Gene Wilder blowing up at the kid and making it a test. By the way, if a parent did that, CPS would be coming coming in. And the door, and and yes, the boat scene is weird, and I can't remember if that's in the book or not. It's just odd. Here's my rule on remakes. Remakes don't bother me if they're done right and there was like a reason for it. Like the example I like to use is Martin Scorsese's Cape Fear. It's you know it is what he does to change. The original is he makes the fa- the victim family dysfunctional, so they have to work together, even though they can't stand each other. You see, and some remakes are good, Planet of the Apes. Some remakes. Wait, wait, wait. Are, wait. One second. And some remakes are bad, Planet of the Apes. You see, you're I'm talking. You're talking the Tim Burton version in the latter. Yeah, the Tim, Tim Burton version. But the first, yeah, the first new wave yeah. of Planet of the Apes, yeah, surprisingly good because the last version with by Burton with Mark Wahlberg was. Pretty bad. Yeah, and the only reason I watch it because it's just so bad that I just and also it. and also the fact with Planet of the Apes and by the way, actually, really, it's the Andy Circus show, but that's an example of technology is caught yeah. up. And and also, I think there's a difference between a remake and a reboot. And th- that's a reboot. Yeah, that's a reboot. You could say you you'll no, but the, yeah, the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes is a remake. Yeah, I like has uh, the power of a thousand spears. Yeah, Brittany. Damn them. All right. Damn them all. <laughs> here, here, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, you're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here. And that's 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 Charlton Heston dying, too. <laughs> Damn you all. That. Um, Abdul Kim Shabazz of Indie Politics is hanging out with me. So uh, sent to me recently through uh, Mill Creek Entertainment. It's a two-disc collection of films from the 70s. Black exploitation films from the set of black exploitation, or as Fred Williamson always said, "My check's cleared. Who's getting exploited?" Yes. You get the idea. Yeah. These are not the Brett. These are not the Fred and Jim films. This, this is not the Truck Turners. No, this is this is that. At least had a student. You know, you at least had Sam Arkoff or Roger Corman behind you yeah, a little very bit. Foul mouth and Michelle Nichols. Uh, by the way, we're gonna get to her in a minute because there's there's some of that in this collection. So we start with. From 1973. Now, you, and you'll let me know if you if your dad experienced okay. these. There was a film called The Black Six. This this is about um, five or six. That's the title. Six black bikers, all played by at that time current NFL football players like Rosie Greer. Um, Rosie Greer is not in this. He's in this collection. <laughs> we'll get to him. See this, what, this two heads? <laughs> no, that's not in this. So, um, by the way, thing with two heads, more of a budget than these films. Um, but this is a, a group of bikers in which one of the biker members' brother is killed by the small racist town, and they have to go and right. make things right. But you didn't see that coming. Yes, but we have uh, Gene Washington from the San Francisco 49ers. Carl Eller from the Minnesota Vikings. I love talking, especially 70s sports with Abdul. I'm getting a blank wall. <laughs> Lem Barney from the Detroit Lions, my beloved Detroit Lions. Uh, Mercury Morris from the Miami Dolphins. Willie Lanier from the Kansas City Chiefs. And the one, the big name in this, this is 1973, so they were Mean Joe Green wow. from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Really? Also in this, playing the uh, the evil biker gang member Thor, Ben Davidson. <laughs> for you miller Lite commercial fans, and also making an appearance as the coach. He's called Coach, a just recently retired from baseball, Maury Wills. Ooh. 
these guys. So, so here's a question. Yes, who is sir. the who is the famous white actor who <laughs> plays Ben Davidson? Okay. No, there's no, there's not even that in this. Yeah, because usually, because you know, usually in the in the you exploitation genre. Thank you, John Vernon, and I'm going to get you <laughs> John yep. Vernon and Angie Dickinson, Big yep. Bad Mama. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, don't worry. I'll bring that. I'll bring up if there is yeah token white name. Uh, but no, in this one it's Ben Davidson. So, um, Mean Joe Green actually oozes more charisma in the Coke commercial than he does in this. Um, Throwing his old sweaty shirt at some yeah, some white kid. Um, but there's, I mean, these are all army vets out of Vietnam, and they're just on their bikes, just hitting the road. It's all actually Southern California. That whole. Southern California country that could pose as the South, kind of, maybe. As long as we're on a lot of mash. <laughs> yeah, kind of that. Um, but they, 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 in an early scene, you see them go to an old lady's farm and help out around the farm, an old white lady. So they're bailing hay, hay and, and then they get fed a meal, and they're going to sleep out on the barn because, I'm sorry, they don't have enough, mm. they don't have six guest rooms. And uh, yeah, so we find them frolicking in the hay bale and be you know throwing hay bales at each other because they're football players. Um, let's put it this way: these guys make Jim Brown look, look like like, we, like William Marshall. Wow! <laughs> as far as uh, acting chops and charisma, yeah, we'll have the good decency not to tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, that's um, and and the film ends with and there's a you know big biker fight scene near the end but at the end of the film written on the screen honky look out hassle a brother and the black six will return wow there was no sequel to this so film apparently there was no message received there was not okay <laughs> the next film which i had seen before and uh and now it's on here the black gestapo so you have a, uh, a black military group, mm-hmm. not, not nobody affiliated with the feline group. So this isn't Spook who sat by the door. No, 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 no. This is let's put it this way. This is how clever they are. Um, there's at the beginning of during the title, the credit sequence. There's footage of Hitler, and then they reverse the negative. <laughs> Get it? So this is a group that calls them. Where? Please tell me I have this written down. Um, Oh wow! I don't have the organization, but they are. Um, mm. So you have a group. <laughs> they have military-looking garb. Uh-huh. Again, they're not the feline group that, of, of this time. And of course, there's corruption within the group, and there's a there's a Yago of sorts, and he's second in command, but he wants to really be first in command. And um, we find out that you know a guy who's actually one of the better. Uh, officers of this army is finding out that there is corruption and greed amongst the uh, amongst the group. So, um, you know, there's, there's paybacks and white women poolside and all this. Yeah, Black he's Gestapo? he's yeah. You're looking this up. Here's here's the name per, now a name person, then a young unknown actor who plays the turncoat, Charles Robinson from Night Court. Yep, Max. Yep. <laughs> This is 1974. Get your stuff. 19, like, or I think 73, 72. Yeah. Abdul's clicking online as we speak. I'm not making this up. So, yeah. Um, and there's a, there's the moment where you the early in the film you see the members of this army beat up the white thugs that are taking shakedown money from the black business owner. And then 10 minutes later, the Lee officer. Frost. Yep, Lee Frost West, directing West it. Bishop. Yep. 
And then the same same shop, uh, the soldiers show up and, and wind up taking the, the shakedown money instead. And Rod Perry as General Ahmed. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so that's uh, that's out there. It's also a part of this collection, Soul Cinema. Um, the one film that didn't make it in the theaters. Black but, Shampoo? No, that's not the on Dynamite here. Brothers? No, that's not Coffee? on Coffee? Oh, you're talking, are you doing his film, his film, uh, The Bad Bunch? No, that's not on here. Black Girl? I mean, there's not a whole lot of creativity in these titles. Yeah, I know. Disco Godfather? <laughs> I actually yeah, own Disco Godfather by Rudy, Rudy Ray Moore, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and you probably own Bucktown. Because if you want to Bucktown, Bucktown, you got to get that. That's right. <laughs> um,. The one film that they tried to pass off as a movie, even though it's a TV movie, The Black Brigade. This was this was like the Dirty Dozen, except they were half. And <laughs> it wasn't Lee Marvin; it was Stephen Boyd, for you fans of uh, Ben Hur. And uh, it's a soldier, Germany, nineteen forty-four. And uh, instead of getting these soldiers who had been digging latrines and filling latrine holes, they have to go and blow up a bridge or blow up a dam in Germany. Your 1970 Aaron Spelling produced huh. TV movie. Your soldiers include um, your second in command is Robert Hooks, so he's he has some uh, some some chest bumping scenes mm. with Stephen Boyd, Richard Pryor in an early role, yeah. Rosie Greer as we mentioned, he's the biggest of the lot, Moses Gunn, he's the oldest of the <laughs> lot, Glenn Turman, he's the writer of the lot, Doctor uh, Doctor War from. Um different world and Cochise from Cooley High yep. and young fresh-faced Billy D. Williams as the loud one in this so uh yeah and then th- and I Lawrence believe Hilton Jacobs as the beaver <laughs> no, <laughs> he's not in this one but uh but yeah this was and I believe they they tried to make a black version of MASH uh on television sort of based on no I'm not, I'm not answering that so uh anyway that is yeah co-written and produced by Aaron Spelling then 1974, Black Fist, where you have a, a former boxer who goes into the seedy underworld of street boxing. And it's Richard Lawson, who's done a lot of stuff. I remember him from Stick and the Knights of Molly Dowd, if I remember right. And um, Family Feud. No, he's not. That's Dawson. <laughs> but your token white guy, 1974, he's, then that guy, Dabney Coleman, ah. as a corrupt cop who gets a, who gets his share of the take for uh, Boxer's winnings. That's right. Um, and actually, he had a show on Fox for a little while. He had a couple of series for a while. Um, but this is one. Oh, Art Free. Um, also, this has uh, is this? No, this is not it. Um but this one has some not bad fight scenes for a very for a low budget film. But it's one of those where he's trying to he's he's trying to get under the he was, he's supported by a mobster and then he's trying to get a bigger cut. And then once he's gotten some success and he's bought a nightclub, he wants to get out of the business. And of course, they keep drawing him back, back in. in. Yeah, there's that. This is called the plot to power on Showtime. And then uh, from 1974, the Black Godfather. Yes, I saw it. that was on Rod my list. Perry. And uh, what I so yeah, we have uh, basically um, a, a guy who's trying to get the Italian mob out of the ghetto. They you know black bro, black owned, black operated, and this was the B&B. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's the film debut. This this has a special place for me. It's the film debut of Flint actor Tony Burton. Tony Burton is known for two things in pop culture. He was Apollo Creed's trainer, mm-hmm. so he got to be a part of that whole franchise. And of course, he had the he had the he got a small part in Stephen King's uh, The Shining, the Stephen yeah. Kubrick film. Now, according to legend, 
King, um, Tony Burton was a famous chess player on movie sets, as was Kubrick. And apparently, Tony Burton defeated Stanley Kubrick at chess. Huh. I hope that's true. So, but yeah, not a whole lot. Not a whole <laughs> lot of notes on on this one. Yeah, uh, Demu King is in it. Don Chastain, Rod Perry, and then finally from 1978. It was originally called Death Force, and then it became Fighting Mad, and it's a, uh, a soldier who's back from Vietnam, and he's going to help out with a job in the Philippines, and he's double-crossed, thrown into the water, and he winds up on a remote island in the Philippines that it's occupied by two Japanese soldiers from World War II, you, not making this you up. You want to know what? I think I may have actually seen And the, the two soldiers trained, is it James, uh, James Iglehart? Um, who was also in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, and they train him in the samurai way. And he goes back. He gets healed. Well, the two names in this, sort of, from 1978, because playing one of the... Uh, George Takai? No, one of the d- double-crossing soldiers who's now back and working his way through in the crime world, uh, Leon Isaac and Jane Kennedy is in this. Yep, everyone's favorite... Uh, NFL commentator. So uh yeah, they're they're in Well Jane Kennedy actually did have a major crush on as a ten year old. Gorgeous. Yeah. Um this one's probably one of the better ones of the group because the fight scenes are a bit ridiculous and uh you know it sets it up. It you you revenge is coming and it's coming quick in about ninety minutes. So <laughs> Uh, but yeah, there's there's some fun fight scenes in this and and ridiculous. Leon Isaac really, really wanted to act. He re- this is, I believe, before penitentiary. Um, took himself seriously. Let's put yeah. it that way. How many penitentiaries were there? Like three? I think there were three, maybe four. And by the way, that was near the. This was when the black exploitation era was at death knell. Yeah, that it was, was about to. By seventy eight, seventy nine. No, they've moved on to other things. So yeah. anyway, yeah, all of, all six of those films on two DVDs, courtesy of Mill Creek Entertainment. Wow. First of all, I was going to like the curse of the Mud Creek players. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'll let them know about that. Now, a few other fi- titles that were sent, courtesy of Film Movement, uh, the Polish drama Nina, which has uh, two ladies meeting, uh, doing a, not necessarily a meet cute, but. Um, one is a is a lesbian who works as an airport security officer, not a word. And then the other one is a teacher who's married and wants to have a child. And they bring this young lady in, the airport security lady, to be a surrogate. And a different triangle happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, good performances by the ladies. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, something. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway. <laughs> It's yes, you 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 figured out that puzzle, but but good performances by the ladies. Um, there's a, a Dutch documentary called Bosch: The Garden of Dreams, famous painting of imagine Sunday in the Park with George, but yeah. with more more characters and detail in the painting. And it's 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 actually a really cool look at everybody brings their own point of view to a painting. I, I'm going to get philosophical here. Um, your own history, your own background, and so there's the, your own your own point of view. Also, the amount of detail and imagery that is in this photo, in this painting, in this artist's work is fascinating to look. And they, the film features everyone from artists, philosophers, musicians, writers, all talking about what they got out of the out of this painting. So imagine, so have a glass of wine in hand as you watch this. 
So this, so none of this is the sorrow and the pity. It's not. It's shorter, <laughs> way shorter than the sorrow and the pity, and not Swedish. Um, but anyways, that's. I believe the quote was, "You could write a novel about this painting very easily. A novel with a thousand stories. That's that type of painting. So if you're into art on film, this is there for it's you. An art film." <laughs> and then finally, from France, uh, the drama Never a- Never Ever, about two artists, male, female, uh, one older, one older man, younger woman. They have a very quick affair going. They go to his country house, and about halfway through the film, he dies, but his presence is still there. But it's not a haunted house film. It's it is there is there is some suspense elements to it. It is not a it's it's not a Mrs. Shabazz film. Mm-hmm. It doesn't it does not become dumb haunted house movie. It's his, not like she looks in the mirror when she's washing her face. No, nope. he's there. Like he's there in some ways, but in spirit. In spirit, but not in terror. Okay. So uh, the uh, Julia Julia Wah, like Ghost Dad, uh, kind of better than Ghost Dad, funnier than Ghost Dad. Don't take a drink from Ghost Dad. <laughs> uh, but Julia Wah is the role, is the lead, uh, the lady, and then uh, Matthew Amerlick, who was the villain in uh, Quantum of Solace. So yes, he's got a Bond villain credit under his note, and a Diamond Bell of the Butterfly. So anyway, all of those are available on DVD, courtesy of Film Movement. So. So what else have you watched recently, sir? Um, like I said, it was the Avengers Endgame, and then, uh, and then Ma- Little Caesar. Yeah, Little Caesar. That's really good. And no, no crazy bread with that. No, no crazy bread. Uh, but like I said, I just finished uh, binge watching the Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's kind of in that uh, sort of X Men kind of vein, kind of like the the anyone who's ever read the X Men over time. It's like the Dark Phoenix saga, but. Not quite X Men: The Last Stand. Are you Are you excited for Dark Phoenix? I am. You're pessimistic or optimistic? I, I try to be skeptically optimistic. <laughs> That's your memoir title. That's my memoir title. The, the optimistic, the opti- the the skeptic optimist. Yeah, the I, optimist I, Prime. Yeah, yeah. I want it to be good. I want it to be enjoyable. But knowing the Dark Phoenix story and seeing it already done before, like in the first X Men kind of trilogy. It's sort of uh, will this will this woman crush men to death with her legs? Hi, Fonka Jansen. Yeah, Sandy on the top. Now, now, I, now I did like now when they did sort of the X Men reboot. Really liked X Men First Class. I thought that was interesting. Really loved Days of Future Past. I thought that was actually the best one out of all mm-hmm. all three. X Men Apocalypse. Eh, it was okay. As long as, long as you go matinee, keep your expectations low. Right. right. You know, you're fine. Do you think? Well, I say, how can you explain why uh, X Men weren't involved in the more of the Marvel stuff? Um, just basically, who owns the rights to what? Ah, because not everybody Marvel has lots of properties, and so what you'll do is you get a situation where you know we'll say Paramount bought the rights to the Avengers franchise, but 20th Century Fox owns the rights to the say the X Men and the Fantastic Four. Franchise is this or, is this quicker to explain than Captain Marvel and Shazam? Uh, <laughs> actually, it's 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 pretty much this, it's that, similar. That, it's that same. Okay, in that same vein, and also uh, with respect to that, not only do you buy the rights to certain characters, you you can only buy the rights in some places. You only buy rights to certain characters from certain periods. Mm-hmm. For example, early on uh, in some of the cartoon stuff, the Storm character, they got like normal Storm, but not Mohawk Storm. <laughs> because that's a because you have different characters through different. Halle Berry didn't want to cut her hair. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, it just depends on who owns. Okay, what. 
Okay, all right. Did you see Suzanne? Uh, actually, yes. I liked it. They needed DC needed to make a lightweight movie badly, and yeah, that's and, all you had to do. And, and, the, and the, my two most fun parts of the movie is uh, one was kind of a, a, a like you say, you know, the hat tip to the old Shazam when he's trying to fly. Yep. And you see him with his arms out in the cape. And <laughs> that kind of like looks just like, like, like it. Just put that kid on a box and a box. film it. <laughs> and turn on put a your, fan. <laughs> yeah, put your arms out. Or like Ed Wood, shake his, shake his antennas like he's trying to kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So that part I liked. And then when they, they landed the booty trap, the strip club. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, obviously if you watch the trailer, it looks like a superhero version of Big. So the fact that Mark Strong is on the keyboard during the mall fight, I'm like, yeah, they, 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 they know darn well who they are and what they're doing. Yeah. And the one thing I one thing I was wondering throughout the whole film, like that, folks, if you haven't seen it yet, sorry, spoiler alert. Yeah. I was like, okay, this is interesting, but having read enough of the Shazam comic, where is the Captain Marvel family? And then, bam, they all right, they all show up. It's actually a nice moment. Yeah, it's actually a kind of cool moment. So, of course, I, th- there's going to be a second one because they kind of set that up that way. Well, actually, I don't think so. They're not going to do it. I don't think. I think they just did just a homage to the original Captain Marvel comic book because a lot of people are wondering what was that thing, right? The cookie the at the end. Yeah, so. that was uh, an old Captain Marvel villain called the Mind Worm from like the 1930s. Yeah. So, will he? Do you think he'll get incorporated? Are they? They're not going to make another Justice League. D- DC and Warner Brothers are not going to try to do a, an Avengers type thing, will they? Uh, well, I thought I thought for a while Warner Brothers actually owned DC. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're part of the part of the DC. You know, DC was part of the Warner Brothers family: uh, Superman, right. Batman, Wonder Woman, and right, right. all the movies and stuff. I mean, they might. I mean, the here's my problem with DC: like you know, guys, you're really making this too complicated. <laughs> you're making this a lot more work <laughs> than, than it, it needs to be. To be. Mm-hmm. You know, Superman two was easy. Villains from Krypton escape. Superman loses powers. Superman gets powers back, beats them. That's it. Right. Like nobody, nobody wants to know. People want to in a superhero movie. Nobody wants all that meaning of life, discovery of self, man's <laughs> inhumanity to man crap. Just want to go watch a movie and leave. It's that simple. Okay. Yes, you can have your touchy feely <laughs> moments. You know. But I still blame the. I still blame Dad in Ang Lee's Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> I still can't figure out what the hell was going on at the end of that thing. But like he's fighting the clouds. I'm sorry there's no sad hitchhiking music. I'm sorry. like, what is this? <laughs> That's why I say, thank God for the Incredible Hulk. And you notice when the, uh, when they start the timeline of the Marvel Universe, they kind of skip over the Hulk and the Punisher and the Fantastic Four. They leave all that out. Right. They kind of start with the original Iron Man, mm-hmm. which oh, I thought was interesting. There you go. Yeah. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, you can check out uh, Abdul at and, uh, or just do a Google search, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, and you'll find tons of Yeah, stuff. you'll find stuff, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Abdul, we appreciate you hanging out. Hey, always great to be on Film Sociology. Ladies and gentlemen, some words to live by. Silent Breed is people! Zardoz has spoken. Go see a good movie. You deserve it. Have a great holiday weekend. Do little if you can. You're listening to Film Sociology, a film talk show here on WFYI HD2 The Point and WFYI.org. Good afternoon, Fort Myers. Good afternoon, California. Good afternoon, Michigan. I can't believe you've let her watch Manoff. <laughs> Is she scarred for life? Let's put it this way. What when I parent are you? <laughs> When I wake her up, I vocalize the theme to wake her up to get her ready to school. Oh, you're a terrible father. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll We'll do it live!